Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. Christ says, yes, I'm going to judge the wicked nation, but the God that is judging the nation of Israel with His presence and His power and His promise to condemn disobedience is the same God that sent His Son to die on the cross for my sin, and I have His presence, and I have His power, and I have His promise of redemption. joining us for this edition of Living Faith. You're invited to join us as we continue our series entitled, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. For the Hebrew people, life in the Promised Land was a cycle. Though God had promised His people a land of plenty, He also commanded them to remember Him and His law in their abundance. The people became blinded by their prosperity and often followed after other gods, worthless idols. Each time, God graciously provided the voice of a prophet to call his people back to himself and to warn of impending judgment. Amos was one such prophet in this cycle. This shepherd, called from the fields of a small town, was chosen to bring God's message of judgment to a powerful and arrogant nation. A message so very relevant to New Testament believers who were part of Israel's faithful remnant through Jesus Christ. So get your Bible and pen ready, and let's listen in as Pastor John Beck leads us through the book of Amos. Take your Bible, if you will, and find the Old Testament book of Amos. It's a small little Old Testament book, and so if you are new to us here this morning and did not know I was going to be in Amos, you might want to go to the table of contents. It's a small book. Sometimes us preachers are guilty of camping out in the New Testament And so we don't have as much familiarity with the Old Testament books, but we're in Amos chapter 9. We're looking at the last vision that Amos has for the nation of Israel. We've looked at several sermons, so to speak, as the sermons have unwinded through the book of Amos. And we've been looking at five visions. And last week we looked at Amos chapter 8 and we looked at just the certainty of the judgment that was coming upon Uh, the people of the nation of Israel for the way that they had lived their life and forsaken uh, the things of God, forsaken the God that we have been singing about this morning. This morning, we're going to look at Amos chapter 9, that last vision that Amos is proclaiming to the nation. And as we think and as we read and as we understand that judgment, this is what I want us to consider this morning from the Word of God. Who God is. The God that is bringing this judgment upon the people is because we have a holy God, a righteous God, a sovereign Lord that rules the nations. But because of this judgment, God is a God of mercy and he lets the people of Israel know there'll be a remnant one day and I will restore you. He's looking at the old covenant believers, but what God has in mind is far, far more than a land or a nation. Someone that can wave a flag. When I think of nations, we, you know, no, I always tell everybody, don't, get, don't ever get mad at me. There, there'll be no flags in heaven. There's no nations. It's just the church. So I think as we look at Amos 9, we, for some reason we get, up a, we get caught up in the old law and the nation of Israel, which, which is a nation. And we miss the most important aspect of Amos chapter 9, Jesus. 
The God of judgment is a God of mercy. He is a God that loves us so much that he sent his son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have that everlasting life. So you take your Bible, if you will, as I read, follow along to yourself. Amos chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 1 and 10. So uh, this week it's Amos chapter 9, part 1. Next week it's Amos chapter 9, part 2. Verse 1, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said, Strike the capitals until the thresholds shake, and they shatter on the heads of all the people. And those who are left of them, I will kill with the sword. You notice the, there's a totality to this judgment that as, the, as it falls, and even those that are left, God said, I will, I will judge. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. If they dig into Sheol, from there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there, I will bring them down. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, from there I will stretch them out and I will take them. If they hide from my side at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. If they go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword and it shall kill them. Listen to that last part of verse 4. I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts and all who dwell in it mourn and all of it rises like the Nile and it sinks away like the Nile of Egypt, he who builds up his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the Lord, of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the Cushites to me, O people of Israel? Declares the Lord. Did I not bring you up, Israel, from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Captor and Syrians from Kerr? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon this sinful nation, this sinful kingdom. And I will destroy it from the surface of the ground. Except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, declares the Lord. For behold, I will command and I will shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one who shakes with a sieve. But no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say disaster shall not overtake us or meet us. Let's bow for prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you have preserved it and kept it and you've given it to us. Now Lord, I pray that we understand that we are here this morning to hear from you. So give us the ears to hear and the mind to receive and the heart to live out the gospel. Your mercy. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was studying this week. I just 
kept over and over thinking about the things of God, the, the character of God, so to speak. And I was reminded, as, as I usually are, as you're reading the Bible, the Bible, uh, the, the Word of God reminds you of other things that God has said in His Word. I, I thought back to Hebrews 13, and, and um, the author of Hebrews, and God is, is speaking to the, the group of believers there, and He's talking about living the life and staying true to the faith. And then tucked in there in verse 5, it says that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And He was alluding to to the faith that we have in Christ and alluding to how to live that life out. And, and God reminded us in the New Testament that Jesus is the same. In creation, Jesus is the same today and Jesus will be the same and we are reigning in heaven with him. Is that not true? God is the same today as he was when Amos was prophesying to the nation of Israel. God never changes and so all week I was just enamored with the sovereignty of God and the, and the largeness of who God is. And so I do want to encourage you to be back tonight as we take some time and specifically deal with this question. How big is God in your world? How big is God? How, how do you embrace the, the sovereignty and the majesty and the glory and the magnitude of who God is in your life? I want to share some scripture verses as we dive into the character of God as we look here in Amos chapter 9. Psalm 115.3. Psalm 115.3. Our God is in the heaven. He does all that he pleases. Isn't that remarkable? God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of, of man plans his ways. Just as the nation of Israel in Amos' day, just like we live our life today, we, we have our plans and we have our thoughts and we have our own agenda. But notice what the word of God says. The heart of man plans his ways, Proverbs 16, 9, but the Lord establishes his steps. God's not up at heaven in this day looking at the nation of Israel thinking, well, I didn't see that coming. What am I going to do now? No, he's on his throne. And he's ruling and reigning. And even in our disobedience and the responsibility of decisions we make and the will of our choices, even in the midst of who we are and our thoughts, God says, I will establish your steps. Genesis 50, 20, you remember uh, the end of this story where uh, the, and, and Joseph is in, incarcerated in Egypt before they delivered him. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What you meant is evil, what the world means is evil, and all the things that the world may do against us, we are the Lord's. We're his. He's on his throne. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. In your evil, you brought me to Egypt. In your evil, you sold me into slavery. In God's goodness, he built a nation. And he delivered them one day by the blood of the lamb. In your evil, you nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. But oh, by the blood of the lamb, redemption was for all mankind. In evil, you, you persecute believers and, and the world persecutes the church, but one day Christ is going to come again and he's going to establish a new Jerusalem. What the world means is evil. 
God means for good. Isaiah 40, 23, who brings the princesses to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. See, we, we worry so much about all that's going on. Let me get on my soapbox for a minute. I wish some of y'all would read the Bible as much as you watch Fox News and CNN. I always say those things after the offering. You ever notice that? You give more when you're happy. You don't give much when you're mad at me. I'm all about the news and I watch the news and I read the news and I get newspapers and I've always invested so I can know things. But listen, King Jesus is on his throne. There's not going to be a White House in heaven. There's just King Jesus. There's not going to be a Republican running over heaven either, by the way. Or Democrat. Just Jesus. And we get so caught up in all the affairs of the day that we forget he is on his throne. Second Chronicles, Solomon at the temple. Oh, Lord God, our fathers, are, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nation. In your hand are power and might, so none is able to withstand you. That is God. That is the God of the Old Testament in Amos, the, the God that is reigning on upon judgment upon the nation of Israel for their disobedience is the same God that rules today. Have you met this God through his son Jesus Christ? Do you know him? He's a judging God. He's a God of justice and mercy. But he's also a God of love and grace. See, he told the nation of Israel, if you will follow after me, I'll bless you. If you do not, I will judge you. Let's look at this chapter very quickly. If we look at these 10 verses, I want us to look at three aspects of who God is and his character as we looked at those verses leading up to it. Notice there verses 1 and through 4. I love the way, love the word of God. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar. Now, I don't think that he saw a, a, a figure, a, a human figure of God, whatever that vision was. But here's what the word teaches us. When we think about the character of God, we have to remember his presence. He was there. And he's standing there as judgment is being orchestrated upon the nation. He says, I'm here. And I'm standing beside your altars of false worship. And so often I pick on deacon prayers. You know, and I, I can pick on deacons because I was one. I guess once a, is it once a deacon, always a deacon. I guess I'm a deacon too. And I always pick on deacon prayers, and, and, and I said this at a family reunion one time, picking on deacon prayers, and then they asked me to bless the food, and I did the same thing. It's like I popped out the pastor prayer. You know what I'm saying? Oh, boy, before we, we go before thee, beseech thee, thy, we come. I don't know where we go to get these prayers from. We always say this, deacons, pastors, now we'll be, we'll be judging each other from this point forward. God be with us. How many of us have said that or heard that in church? I mean, it's true. We were asking, oh, here's my question. Where's he going to be? I mean, he's either with us or he's not with us. 
If he's not, if we haven't asked him to join us, then we're not having church, amen? So God is with us. And it's funny because I do the same thing, but think about that. His presence is always in the midst of his people. God's presence is in the midst of his creation. God is here. God hasn't gone on vacation and left you. God has not forsaken you. God has not forgotten about you. Yes, God is coming to judge, but I want us to think about God's character and the aspect of his mercy. If you are his, he loves you. He's with you. How many of us can say that we can feel the presence of God in our life? I'm standing there. He said, I'm going to strike the foundation and it's going to crumble and it's going to fall. And that which is not destroyed by the falling of the temple, the sword will take. No one will flee. No one will escape. I went through and just circled in my Bible, if. If I dig a hole in Sheol, my hand takes him. If you're in heaven, I'll come up there and get you. If you're here, it's there. Now, it's not saying that people are hiding in hell from God. It's not saying that people are hiding in heaven from God. It's the analogy of you can't get any further apart than heaven and hell, right? We're hiding here. We're going there. And then the word is with his presence, you're not going to run from God. The nation of Israel, you're not going to run from God. If you're not living for the Lord, he knows exactly where you are. Somebody was telling me not long ago that they were worried about their husband cheating on them. So they put an app on his phone that they could follow him everywhere he went. Husbands, did y'all know that? Y'all better check. Yeah. Now you'll fly right, won't you? Heard a preacher say one time he was preaching to preachers. He said, preachers, you think you're in your little office. You think you're living in your little, and nobody knows what you're doing. Your flock may know what you're doing. But he said, the Lord Jesus Christ knows what you're doing. Boy, that's convicting. But it's also encouraging. It's convicting when I'm not living right, but oh, isn't it encouraging when I am living right? And I'm in that valley. And I don't know what to do. And things aren't going the way I want them to. And Jesus says, I'm right here with you, never to leave you nor forsake you. Satan cannot snatch you out of my hand, the word says. But the character of God is his presence. If you're in Sheol, I'm there. If you're in heaven, I'm there. If you're at Carmel, I'm there. If you're here, I'm there. If you're here, I'm there. Verse 4, the end of verse 4, I will fix my eyes upon you. Yes, that's a God of judgment. Yes, when you're not living for the Lord, he knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. You're not going to hide from God, so quit trying to hide. But he's also there in mercy. And he loves you, and he's sustaining you, and he's guiding you. Secondly, look at verse 5. In the Hebrew, verse 5, I know we're not supposed to talk about big fancy Hebrew words, but I'm going to tell you what the big fancy Hebrew word means here. The Lord God of hosts, the Master Yahweh of hosts. That word Yahweh for God, whenever you see uh, the word of God in, in, in the ESV translate here, it's all capital letters. It's the G's capital, but you can see the O and the, and the D are capital as well. That is the word, Hebrew word for Yahweh, and it is the 
personal name for God. And so if you take the Lord God and you look at it in the way that the Hebrew is written, this is what this means. The Master Yahweh. What we learn about that word is not only about his presence, but his power. How big is God? It's funny. We think God created the heavens. Well, I don't mean think, as in we doubt. How many of us believe that God created the heavens and the earth? How many of you think God created something out of nothing? Okay, put your hand down. If he created the universe, can he not take care of my life? Can he not handle the problem you're dealing with right now? I'm reading a book, and one of the chapters in the book is talking about God's will, who to marry and where to work. And I thought, that's not really a big deal on the grand scheme of creation, is it? But it can be consuming to you, doesn't it? It's the small things that we worry about. I, I can remember getting out of college and just going into like a, 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 the desert of just praying and fasting and, and just crying out to God. But oh, what was that major obstacle you were going to go? Well, I was just trying to figure out where to go to seminary. Oh, and I tell God, I was going, good gracious, people dying going to hell every day and he can't, all he's worried about is go to seminary. But I wanted to be at the right place, at the right time, in the right school. There was too many options. It was just such a big deal to me. And everybody around me said, well, God's going to show you the way. But, you know, when those are big deals to us. Where am I going to work? Where am I going to go to school? Who are we going to marry? It would be neat if you could pick up the Bible and I could find Leviticus, Emily's husband's name. And his bank account total. And his personality. That would be great. You can't do that. But if he created the heavens and the earth, can he not take care of you? Now, when he judges, oh, and that's, it's, 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 it's fascinating because I mentioned this several weeks ago. I think sometimes that when we turn our back on God, we're daring God to do something. Isn't that crazy? We watch the news. Here we go, that news again. You ever just want to punch the TV? Isn't it, you know, we, we, they, they, were, they were talking about the, uh, let me get on my, get away from the pulpit. They were talking about the ESPY awards and the courageous, the courageous athlete, the courageous award. I'm not even going to divulge on that. God help us if that is Courageous. Now, that's not judging. That's speaking the truth in love. That's not courageous. The same God that judged the nation of Israel is going to pour down his wrath on humanity. Leave no doubt. What we need to be doing in in this time is preach the gospel. Believe the gospel. Encourage people to embrace the gospel because he is powerful. That's his judgment. What about his mercy? 
He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're capable of doing. He knows what you're capable of not doing. He knows everything about you. Surely to goodness, if he can melt the earth, if he can cause an isle to rise, if he can deliver a nation out of bondage, if he can send his son to die on a cross for our sins, if he can do all of these things, surely to goodness, he can take care of us. He's powerful. I visited my 99-year-old grandmother this week. Bless her heart. I'm like, go. I'm like, go. Take her. Lord, have mercy. She's so sweet and just, you know, it's, it's kind of the, I mean, in one sense, she eats and sleeps. Like a retired preacher, just eats and sleeps, you know. <laughs> I'm like, just, you know, Lord, take her. It's kind of cool to think about it. He could raise her up out of that bed. She could live to be 800 years old if she wanted to. He's powerful enough to do that. But he's also powerful enough to just leave her there as long as he wants to. Because it's a great encouragement to me to see a woman that loves the Lord that much and lives so long. He's powerful enough that we have loved ones that pass away Way too, so you've heard me say that. How many times have I said that since I've been your pastor? He, the Lord, in my opinion, the Lord has took some faithful, and I'm going to speak from the standpoint of men. The Lord's taken some faithful men from me. And, and I had to talk with Jesus about that. You ever had to talk with Jesus? There's been some faithful men that he's taken that I needed. But who am I to question what he does? He's all-powerful. Once we embrace that power... As a child of God, it helps us understand life a little differently. He can do it. He can do all things because he's God. And probably the greatest aspect of his character in, Acts, in, in Amos chapter 9 is his presence. He's, he's there with me. His power. He can do all of these things. Now, yes, he's going to judge but notice what he says. Verse 8. Behold the eyes of, there's that word again, Master Yahweh are upon the sinful kingdom and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground except that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. Who, who are they? His chosen ones. Who are they today? The church. Believers. Yeah, I'm going to do That's what God is saying. I'm going to totally destroy and utterly destroy one day completely those that are not mine. But I've always got a place in my heart for my children. For behold, I will command, I will shake the house of Israel among all the nations as that one shakes the sea. Have you ever seen, you know, uh, I was sharing somebody just this week, I, just today as a matter of fact, it just popped into my little mind that I, I did some research on my ancestors and one of my great greats up in north, northwest Georgia, up in Lalonega, was a gold miner. So I've got, I'm waiting on Uncle Leroy to die and get all his gold. Panning for gold, you, you, you pan stuff and all the, all the bad stuff kind of floats away. You sift things and you're sifting the wheat and the chaff and all the chaff and all the bad kind of floats away and blows away. And guess what's left? What's left? What you want. It's incredible. I could, I could preach to three o'clock, but I know you've got to leave at one. I tell people about God's judgment. 
there's going to be a day. You don't have to go read a book or watch a video about it. There's going to be a day that the Lord Jesus comes back and there's going to be a, a, a tribulation and a wrath of God is going to be poured out. And I tell people, I love thinking about it. I don't have to, I don't have to try to figure it out. I know it's coming. Not a big deal to me. I don't, the signs of the times. I know it's coming. You nervous? No, I'm not nervous. Why? I'm, he's not going to, what's he going to do? I'm already redeemed, blood-bought. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. Let it come. There's going to be, you know, even if my, if we physically die because of being a believer, we're never going to face the judgment of God. Never. There's nothing anybody can do to me. There's nothing anyone can do to me that should take away my joy in Christ. Nothing. Christ says, yes, I'm going to judge the wicked nations, but when, when all that judgment is left, when all that judgment is purged the church, guess who's left? The church. That's one of my little pet peeves about people that don't want to come to church. One of my little jokes is, well, dear Lord, help us. If the rapture comes on Sunday, you won't be involved. If you don't like worshiping on Sunday, what are you going to do for eternity? He sifts the world. He's just sifting and sifting and sifting. And, and we, we think that the world's winning. And we think, uh, what are we going to do? No, he's sifting and he's sifting and he's sifting. I will shake the house of Israel as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. What's in the sieve, the pebble? It's all the, the trash he's getting rid of. That's what he wants. Let me tell you what that's a picture of. His promise. Aren't you grateful that you're a New Testament believer in Jesus Christ? Somebody said, how do you read the Old Testament? Pastor, how do you read the Old Testament? I'll tell you how to read the Old Testament. You put your, back to the, put your back to Genesis and look at Revelation and look through the cross, and that's how you read the Bible. Everything points to the cross of Jesus Christ. See, a lot of times what we do is we read, the, like we read a book. How many of you like to see a movie? I'll always ask anybody. Anybody ever takes me to a movie or somebody says, oh, this is good. You'll like this. How's it end? Sharon says, why do you want to know how it ends? Isn't that my personality, though? How's it end? Because I can understand it better when I know how it comes out. I can figure out, I'm like a, I, if I was not a preacher, I would be a detective. I can solve anything in about 10 minutes, you know. He did it. How do you know he did it? Because I read it on Wikipedia how it ends. I'm, I'm standing as I read the word of God and I'm looking through the cross of Jesus Christ. And guess who wins? We've won. As I, as I walk through the prophets, as I, as I walk through Amos and the judgment on the nation of Israel, and I hear about that, that stone that was remaining in the sieve, as I look at the remnant that's around the corner, I'm looking at the cross of Jesus Christ, and I say, that's me. The God that is judging the nation of Israel with his presence and his power and his promise to condemn disobedience is the same God that sent his son to down the cross for my sin and I have his presence and I have his power and I have his promise of redemption. And that's where I stand. I believe what Amos was saying to the nation of Israel. He said, this is the vision. Do you believe it? I think that's what God is saying to us this morning. 
This is the word. Do you believe it? Our life, please come back tonight, our life indicates who we are and what we believe about God. I've literally been in a Baptist church just before. That's all I've ever been is Baptist. With a name like John, you have to be Baptist. I've literally been in Baptist churches before where we've had a, you know, you have a great prayer meeting. Not that all prayer meetings aren't great, but you know what I mean. You have a great prayer meeting, and before you can get out into the parking lot, it's, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do, Pastor? I'm just like, we just had a great prayer meeting, trusting in the sovereignty of God and knowing that he hears our prayers. And within 30 feet, we went like a chicken with our head cut off, and all of a sudden now the sky's falling. What happened to the God we just talked to in the prayer meeting? Did we leave him locked in the closet? He's still God. And he's still sovereign over the universe. That's where I want to rest and put my trust. I don't know how this is going to work out. If I, I, you know, that's, that's part of being a, a believer. I walk every day understanding who he is and enjoying who he is and his presence and his power. I, I tell you, you want to have a prayer life, I'd rather pray to a sovereign God than a non-sovereign God. How do you pray to a God that's not sovereign? You ever thought about that? I had somebody tell me one day, God is not sovereign over all things. Well, if he's not sovereign over all things, who do you pray to? If I, said, if I didn't think God could raise the dead, could you imagine me walking in a hospital room where you're sick and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? <laughs> I ain't got nobody to pray to. You're on your own. Hope you got a good doctor. No, we plead out to a sovereign God that knows he's got a plan. And I'm glad I don't have a plan. But he does. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword. I love this. We'll close with this. But no pebble shall fall to the earth. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence and power and promises from the words of Amos. Yes, you're going to judge the nations. Yes, you're going to start in the household of God and there's going to be utter destruction and no one can run and no one can hide. It's going to be complete and total alienation of the disobedience. But the stone remains. The remnant is there. The gospel is enough. As you're a judging God, you're a merciful God. And we praise you for that. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sin. That whoever believes, whoever confesses, whoever submits, whoever follows, whoever trusts, may be saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Listen in every week for more from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. You don't want to miss any of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. Our senior pastor, John Beck, will be walking us through that important Old Testament book for the coming months. For more information about First Baptist Church of Avon Park, just go to fbcap.net. You can find us on Facebook by simply searching for First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash FBC Avon Park. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. Our Sunday service begins at 1045. You can find all this information and more at fbcap.net. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Living Faith.